infants can't handle meat. I mean, that's not profound. That's pretty much the obvious, right? And adults can't live on just milk. I don't know about you, but I'm a meat and potatoes type of guy. I was raised on a farm. We always had a hog to butcher or, or a cattle to, to butcher. And we had good beef and, and good pork. Lots of bacon. Bring home the bacon. I was, I was um, disappointed this week that we went to our Tuesday trip to Russ's, to the senior home. And the, the five of us guys, the staff guys, we, on Tuesdays we go to Russ's because for $5.49 you could get the bacon burger, which had three slices of thick bacon on top of a huge burger, and their fries are amazing at Russ's. Grandma's still doing it good. And you look around, and it's all seniors in there. The whole place is just full of seniors. And the first time, the first week we went a few weeks ago, um, the waitress came and said, are you guys a rock band? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> kind of, ish. That's, that's Josiah's favorite word now, ish. Ish, everything is ish. Yeah, Dad, you look good, ish. Always, when you have teenagers, they just, it's brutal. It's a brutal truth, isn't it? It's just brutal. Wow. So you have to ask yourself the question this morning, am I a baby or am I a mature Christian? And how, how do I determine whether I'm still drinking milk when I should be eating meat or whether I've actually become desirous of meat? And you've probably noticed this like I have. That, see, I, I didn't like Brussels sprouts growing up. And my, my parents had a strict rule, whatever's put on the table, you have to eat. I didn't like asparagus. I didn't like broccoli. I didn't like Brussels sprouts. And I hated peas. I still think they're a curse from God. Peas are a curse, especially those mushy ones in a can. Oh, my gosh. God, deliver me from this, you know. So, and of all things, this God has a sense of humor. I learned that early on. We got an offer to, to raise green giant peas. So for years, we raised green giant peas, and guess what? We had buckets of peas. I was on the floor quite a bit from my, bat, my dad backhanded me off the table from not eating my peas. You eat whatever set before you. Now I love Brussels sprouts. How many love Brussels sprouts? Raise your hands. Bacon? You, no, I didn't ask bacon. You put bacon with the Brussels sprouts. See? You use the bacon grease, and you, you throw up the Brussels sprouts. Some of you never smile. You're like, get to whatever you're going to say because I'm already bored. So you use, you use the bacon grease, and, you, and you, just, you, you take green beans too, fresh green beans, and put them in there with a little bit of olive oil and butter. It's got to have both. Lots of garlic, a lot of garlic, and maybe just a little bit of spiciness to it. And then you throw your Brussels sprouts and your beans in there with the bacon and it's like, ooh, Jesus is coming again. <laughs> oh, yes. It's good, right? God's good, isn't he? So I have to start out positive because you might get nailed today with the message. So I want it to be positive. Because if I watch my messages, I turn them off real quickly and think, oh, God, help us. <laughs> He's yelling the whole time, you know. God is good. So, so this, is, this is how he works. Even in the service, God wants you to know that he 
incredibly loves you. So yesterday, I walked outside while here at the church, and I saw Stacy Bond. She came to kick off for the Christmas pageant, and if you sing at all, you should join us. We need more men. Uh, we had the kickoff for the Christmas pageant, and Stacy came, and she brought two young men with her, two boys that looked like they were junior high age. But on the way out of the parking lot, I saw the two boys sitting in there, and so I ran over to the van, and I just thought, God, I can't stand it. I am so blessed to see what I'm seeing. Stacy lost custody of her kids a long time ago, and she's been getting blessed lately, and she had two of her boys in the van with her, and I wanted to shout. Yes, yes. Because, because you never give up, because he never lets go. He never lets go if you pray. I got chills saying that. He never gives up on us. We give up on him. And so I ro she rolled down the window, and I said to the boy in the front seat, what's your name? And he said he was 11, right? What's his name? Eric. And then the boy in the back seat, before I even got to ask him his name, he said, I hate clowns. Why did you have to bring up clowns in it? I said, I said at practice that the, the movie It looked evil, that there's clowns down in the sewage system, and they're waiting to grab your kids and pull them down <laughs> You know, you see the commercials for it. It's like, I kind of would like to see that, but everybody will think I'm just sadistic. <laughs> Sometimes I think kids are getting pulled down in the sewer. We don't even know it. You lost your kids. Well, today on Monday night, we talked about maturity versus being an infant. And most of us know, um, know how this works. We pretty much know how it is. The church is full of people who have grown enough through the word of God, not that they have thousands of scriptures memorized, but they have let the scripture soak into them to the degree that it's actually changed them. It's actually changed their life. Um, Ed gets married this week. Oh, God. Wow. Baby Ed. Baby Ed, 22 years old, getting married to baby Alex this week here. So um, they, we had a bachelor party. We, we did skeet shooting the other night. How many have shot skeet? Raise your hand. Men and women. Because there's a lot of women hunters in here. All the women hunters, raise your hand. Who is that? Erica? Woo, she is a rough one. Okay, other women hunters. Where's Ashley Sisuerta? She You hunt too? Okay, Miranda hunts. Is Ashley in here? Yeah, you hunt. Why do you think Phil married her? I got a good woman who can get me a buck. <laughs> yeah? Every man needs a woman who can go out and shoot right off the slider. Bam! There's a buck in the backyard. She's got the gun sitting by her recliner. She sees a buck back there. That sucker is dead. It's meat, right? Dinner next week. That's not such a bad idea, really. Marry a woman who hunts. But we had skeet shooting the other night. It was so fun. I've never shot skeet in my life. Hard to believe that I'd ever pick up a gun. I know. Anyone that would wear a jacket like this couldn't pick up a gun. I asked Josiah if this was okay, and he said, ish. Ish. Everything's ish. Ish at our house meant it sucks. Didn't it mean that to you? Ish. 
I don't know if that was an Italian thing or whatever, but my mom always said, ish, it smells in here. Josiah, it's different. So Josiah, um, he, he used a, four, a 410. That's what I used when I was a kid. We went pheasant hunting. It was a 410. And right off the bat, he hit the clay pigeon. Wasn't that awesome? You in here, Cy? There he is. He's real bashful when it comes to this stuff. So I wanted to see if, I was a little bit nervous about doing this. I was proud. Nine out of ten. I got nine out of ten. Like, God, man, am I tough. I'm like, more rugged than you ever imagined. <laughs> and all the people laughed. <laughs> well, you, but you, you know what I'm talking about when I say this, that we live in a culture and a world today that is all about whining and complaining and blaming. Yes? As a society, we, we largely have become experts at blaming other people for things. Do you know this? It's not my problem. It's that I was raised in dysfunction. It's not my problem. I'm bipolar. It's not my problem. I'm bisexual. It's my, not my problem. It's buy everything nowadays. Buy, 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 buy. There's always someone to blame, and so we should cater to everyone. I think it is so absolutely ridiculous that we're even having the conversation about whether you should salute the flag or not. And one of, one, one of the guys that went here and stopped coming a, a couple months ago was online, and he was just bickering about the fact that we shouldn't have to salute the flag, that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar made them bow down and worship idols. The flag is not my idol. I want to make that clear. I, res I respect those who fought to give us freedom, which is represented by the American flag. And if you don't want to do that, if it's such a killer to bow your, or to, to not bow your knee, I think bowing the knee to God is important. Those same guys probably wouldn't bow if we prayed. You'd never see them putting a knee on the ground if it was to pray to God. And I am not afraid to say this is nonsense, knock it off. It's stupidity. We want to blame everybody. We as this, this race didn't get enough of this, that, or the other thing. There is no country in the world that is as blessed as this country. That ought to make us say, screw the NFL. We're done with you. If that's the way you want to respond, we just don't have to watch. Right? We don't have to watch. Now you say, now you're taking a political position. I'm taking the same position I've had my whole life. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God indivisible with liberty and for all, for all. There is no nation on the planet where you have the freedoms that you have in America, which are slowly but surely being eroded by our choice. And that's not what my message is about this, this morning. <laughs> Romans 14 says this, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You will give account for what you do with your life. Romans 8 is where we've been at for a few weeks now. Verses 5 through 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I can, I can prove this to you. If 
you are still an infant, even saved, but still an infant, your mind is not happy. When you're not holy, you're not happy. Your mind right now has already strayed off to things you'd rather be doing than listen to the Word of God. I can't even start my day without the Word of God because I will respond in the flesh to everything that takes place. You either get to believe that today is a blessing or it's a curse. Is it a blessing? Is it a blessing? Are you blessed? When you start saying that out loud, because some couldn't even open their mouths, they just stare at the floor like, I, I just hate this, and I'm here because my mama said I should come, or my dad, dad said I should come. I'm still an infant. I don't even understand all this. And I'm not trying to be mean. Don't you think it's kind of time to grow up and take responsibility for eating? Eating. You can't eat steak. Then you got to drink milk to live. You have to have some of the Word of God in you or you won't make it. There are different groups of people in the room. There are the infants, there are the teens, and there are the mature people. Three different groups of people. Teenagers are ones that are still trying to figure life out. Mature adults know this, that without God, they're messed up. Without God, they can't go anywhere. Yes or no? That's a fact. There was a story several years ago about two sisters who had an alcoholic mother. <clears throat> and one day, someone came to them and said, but the two sisters are living completely different. One of them is addicted to alcohol, and the other is not addicted to alcohol. One is happy in her booze and pretty much sad all the time, and one is happy that she's not into booze. Two differences. So a guy comes and says to the one in alcohol, what, what do you say is, is behind your addiction to alcohol? And she said, well, my mother was an alcoholic, so what would you expect? And so he goes to the other sister and he says to her, well, what is it that's responsible for you not being addicted to alcohol? And she said, my mother was an alcoholic, what would you expect? It's always a matter of perspective, isn't it? We don't want to take responsibility for our choices. I have a temper because my dad had a temper, you say. I'm a gossip because my mom was a gossip. I'm an alcoholic because I'm in a house where there's alcohol all the time. I'm I'm not an alcoholic because I'm in a house where there's an al alcoholic that's into alcohol all the time. You get to make the choice. I was raised in dysfunction, so I'm not going to be dysfunctional. I saw my mother live with a man who was abusive. I'm not going to marry a man who's abusive, right? You get the choice. And guess what? The choice is being held out to you right now in this room. Right now, this very second. Do I want to change and not go down that path? Yes or no? Yeah. See, Vince does want to change. Because some people say, well, it irritates me that he's always yesing and all this stuff like a crazy man. Yeah. And I'd say this. He can't hold it inside. 
He can't hold it inside. He's retired, and he comes over here and works two or three days out of the week like a dog. He's retired, but he just keeps handing checks in to the church. He hands a $100 check, and then, he, then I said, we're going to raise money for these guys in Vietnam that are out of a job now for three months, and he comes and says, I want to give $100. And then he walks up later and hands me a $300 check because when you're walking with God and you're growing in your faith, you just want to give all the time. You don't want to take. You lose that consumer mentality. And it's no longer about giving. It is totally about, God, I'm dead to self. Let me be a servant. I find such joy in my circumstances because they point me to helping others in their need. If you're offended all the time, it's because you're a baby. Even if you're offended once a week, you're a baby. Yes. Because the Bible says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing. You want to know why? Because they process it out and they ask themselves, do I deserve this? I probably do. And they're quick to want to apologize. Responsibility is this, the ability to respond correctly. So I'm given a situation today. I get to respond correctly. I can take this as God trying to teach me and make me better or I could become bitter. It's either going to make you better or bitter. One of two things is always happening in your life. God is always, he's either always trying to teach you or he's trying to discipline you. Which way would you prefer to learn? Through the simple lessons that when you lose something, God wants you to gain something. That when you actually lose something that's valuable to you, God is trying to say to you, but I can change your life. But I can change your life. But I can change your life if you'll only cling to me. Because you ain't going to make it otherwise. Am I right about that? Have you ever been so despondent? Nick talked about it just a little bit ago. You've been so despondent about things that you actually felt like I should go hang myself. I should just kill myself. The earth would be better off without me. And God is saying, no, 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 you don't get it. I love you like crazy. I want to bring you out of this, set your feet on the rock, and give you a whole new outlook on life, right? A bunch of us need that, don't we? Everybody in this room that needs that today, raise your hand. I need it today. You know we do. You know we won't make it. You know you're not making it right now. You know you have stepped in the room today by God's design, and he's saying, you are letting go of the things that you need the most, the steak you're giving up to live in milk. You want to drink milk your whole life? Because I don't. There are two words that describe maturity and infancy. The first word is teleos. It means Mature, that I've actually matured. So I looked up in the Greek dictionary, the lexicon, to see what it actually means. Here are the definitions. Brought to an end. Finished. Wanting nothing necessary to be complete. That I'm actually perfect. That which is perfect. Consuming human integrity and virtue. Full-grown adult or full-age mature. I don't have to be reminded of things. I'm not always offended. I'm not always leaving the service thinking, he was just mean today. Why did the guitar player not show up? I know exactly why, because I knew yesterday when he came to practice, he wouldn't be here today. It is classic 
millennialism. A lady wrote to me and said, you have, no, you have no right to bash on the millennials. If something doesn't change, we're going down as a nation. We're going down right now. We are, because when we don't get what we want, we make the people who really want to speak into our life into criminals. We make the president into a criminal. We make the pastor into a criminal. We destroy all the righteous reminders in our life so we don't have to listen. This is what we do. We erase the righteous reminders. Oh, I don't want to be around him. No, I don't want to take it from him. The pastor has his fault. You don't need to listen to him today. Erase that. Erase him. Erase all the righteous reminders that God is sending you. And you got you to know this. You got to know this. You got to know this. God wants more for you. You come around me long enough and you're going to learn this. I will love you with the same kind of love that God loves you and tell you the truth. You won't be happy outside of him. I would be dead. Many of us would be dead, right? We're together. You know why I can pastor and love you? Because you love me and I love you. And we're a happy family with a knick-knack, whack, give the dog a bone. This old man came rolling home. I respond well to love. See, I, I, I wrote, I, I, I Facebooked this this week, that I think pastoring is 90% loving on people and 10% this, preaching. It's 90% or more. 90% of it is just love people. You came to the church service this morning because someone invited you. Because every week we get dozens of visitors. They are not just coming here because it's a revitalized building. They're coming here because God designed for them to come here by his plan. Today. Today. He designed for you to be here today. Because you need him. Yes, 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 yes. There are those that are immature, the nepios, the child. This is the, the person who hasn't matured. What are the characteristics of him? An infant, a little child. They're constantly whining about something. They didn't get their way at work, and they're mad at so-and-so, and mad at this person, that person. They can't be instructed in anything. They're a minor, not of age, metaphorically used for childish, untaught, and unskilled, figuratively a simple-minded or immature person. Do you know what I notice about people who have Down syndrome? They are the sweetest people on the planet. They are so sweet. Their mind has not been tarnished by all the world's garbage. The reason why America is in such trouble, and I watched the entire Vietnam special this, this last couple of weeks, 10 episodes long, and I cried at the end because of the monument in Washington, D.C. that I want to take Josiah to see because of 57,621 or whatever it is, men in their 19 and 20-year-old age group that died in a needless war. I go there every year. That's where my heart is. My heart is to pastor this church and to bring the nation of Vietnam to Christ. We say, well, how in the world are you going to do that, Pastor? You're just one person. Because one person affects one person who affects another person. And it's happening in our church again. Our church is growing at a rapid pace because people's lives are changing. They're right in front of me. Changing, right? Mike, I prayed so hard your wife would come today. All the way here. I'm not giving up. Not giving up. I'm not giving up on you. 
and your heartache and hurt and pain because I love you and your family. I know the answer for everybody sitting right in front of me. The answer is not me. It's not this church. It's Jesus. It is God who is in the word, and the word is God. The word was in the beginning. It was God, and it's still God. And when you put the word in you, you start to grow, and you say, I don't want to do that anymore. That's, that's, I'm unhappy. I'm not satisfied with life. I don't want to do that anymore, Pastor. I'm really tired of it. So the bottom of the line with maturity is, Studying the Bible. None of us should remain in the state of immaturity. But for some reason we do. See, every person who gets born again, and how do you do that? You realize when you die, you are not a thousand percent positive that you are going to spend eternity in a very real, literal place called heaven. And not in the other literal place where there's gnashing of teeth and weeping and eternal separation from anything good and eternal darkness. You don't want to go there. You come to a point in your life where you personally, by faith, believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross is your only hope. And at a moment in time, you ask him to be your savior. So, God intends for us to grow, to grow up. Stop living like babies, infants that constantly have to be talked to because you're always offended. Oh, I hate for you even to say that, Pastor, because I was really offended this week. It is a sign of immaturity. Babies are the ones that scream and whine and complain. Do you understand that? Mature people say, I understand that totally. Don't even, don't, don't even think twice about it, Pastor. I'm with you. We're all moving the same direction. Um, I, I, I found it interesting that, that people actually advise people not to come to church here because we're a cult. Because they think that anything beyond going to the morning service makes it a cult. If somehow you get people out of the box of just doing their routine church, it has to be a cult. Funny. Jesus said, take up your nets, pull them up, stop fishing, leave your boats there and follow me. Now, I'm not Jesus, but I do think this. He was trying to send a message that your life is going to be all about Jesus. It's got to be all or none. All, that's lordship. When I'm mowing the lawn, I'm praying. I was praying for his wife while I was mowing the lawn. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I refuse to give up on my own kids. We prayed on the way here that Dan and Danielle would be here today. Did we not, hon? Out loud, out loud, out loud. I prayed that Dakota, somewhere in here, I think, aren't you, Dakota? Over there. I prayed. Dakota is Ed's friend. They used to smoke weed together all the time. Now Dakota's making up for him not being there. Oh, I don't even know. It's possible, but maybe not. I'm not trying to embarrass him, but at the bachelor party the other night, we shot skeet, and Nick did a great job of organizing it. But when we got around the campfire, I thought, we can't waste this opportunity because Dakota was there, and another friend of Ed's was there, Bryce. And all the rest of the guys were on the fire except for Dirk. I married all of them. He's coming soon. There's a woman that's going to be dropped from heaven. Because I advertise every week. 
There are plenty of people who'd like to audition, but none that fit his qualifications yet. But I looked around the campfire, and everybody sitting there I had married and had found a wife who's going to stay with them. Finding a wife is a good thing. But out of that whole thing, when we went to say goodbye that night, because we were talking about Ed and what a light he's been and how he's changed, and he has. And Dakota and he are best friends, and I've never heard Ed say a negative word about Dakota. And guess what? I went to give Dakota a goodbye handshake, and he hugged me and said, I think I'm going to come to church Sunday morning. Because you never give up because God never lets go. You never give up because God never lets go. He's got a hold on you right now. He's got a grasp on your... Oh, I'm not getting anywhere here. I haven't even hit my points yet. <laughs> I could literally preach all day and you guys were like... <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? That's a question to ask yourself, right? How am I different from the other people here? Am I just like them, walking in the flesh and making fleshly decisions all the time? Or am I getting so controlled by the Spirit that I actually see changes in my life? Big changes. Like I don't cuss anymore. We were down at Art Prize last night, and we were walking, and there were a bunch of teenagers that had been to homecoming dance. Becky, we speculated about it. There's five or six girls here, and there's five or six guys over here. And as we walked by the one of the girls used the F-bomb, thinking it, it was cool. And I thought to myself, <clears throat> no offense, because I'm sure this will offend somebody. Anytime I see a woman with a cigarette hanging out of her vehicle, I just think to myself, not attractive. Right? That was six people. <laughs> so I'm taking it. We have a lot of women smokers in here. Mm-hmm. So you're saying there's a chance? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's becoming. I think it's addictive. And yet, have you ever noticed how hard it is to get rid of cigarette smoking? They try and try and try and try and it never works. Because we're just babies. We go back to our addiction like a baby. How are we different from anyone else? How is the world looking at us and seeing that we're different? Hebrews chapter 5. For everyone who partakes only of milk and is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern between good and evil. Right? You can tell whether this is a situation you should step away from or not. This is a person you should step away from or not. Can you not? I don't need to date him. I shouldn't date her. These are not good scenarios to get into. And then we do it anyway because we let the flesh rule and we regret it. Yes? Look at what 2 Corinthians says. Brethren, I need the verse. Second Corinthians magically appears on the screen. There we go. Do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, 
but in your thinking be mature. You get a choice of growing up or continuing in the same patterns. How does a Christian go from being spiritually immature to being mature? And I have to hit all these. So Romans 12 says this. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I learned as a teenager, I think it's one of the most powerful couple verses that you could learn. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In the King James, it says, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you be proved what is the good, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The only way that I'm going to be transformed is by the word of God. See, I need it just like you do every day. Mark Patterson actually says this. We need to make decisions against ourselves. We need to consciously make decisions. Bad choice, don't look at that. Bad choice, don't say that in the car after church. Bad choice, don't talk gossip to those people. Bad choice for you to go do that thing tonight. It's going to end up in disaster. I, the Holy Spirit actually tells me this right now, standing up here. There are people in here, you know that you are not here by coincidence today. You already know God brought you to tell you to back off. You're going the wrong direction. Stop. Stop. See, it's not just choosing what is right. It's choosing what is best. Something may be right. The Bible says that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial to me. Everything is permissible with God. You can do whatever you want. You can leave here this morning, and you can go out and look at porn. You can do sex. You can go do whatever you want to do. You could go sleep with men. I said this this morning to the praise band. There are women who think it's totally okay to sleep with a man if, if you care about him. This isn't my word. This is God's word. That's wrong. Simple. You're not happy because it's wrong. What you want is someone who cares about you. You can't find that out by going to bed with them. you got to find it out by praying with them. If he won't do that, you're dating the wrong dude. Dump him. There are four people that said yes. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 4 says, The word of God is living and alive, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far, as far as the division of our soul and our spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. God's word is so alive that it literally cuts us. It cuts right to the issue and says, you want to be free. There are many people in the room this morning that know you are still a baby because you can't break free from your addictive behavior. You keep trying and it's not working because you're trying in the flesh and it never works. I'm going to tell you, I say it every week here and I'll say it still. You can't be happy if you aren't holy. How do you get holy? right now. I confess my sins to you, God, because I want to be free right now. Right now, if you confess your sins and you're a Christian, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. All of them are already gone because there's no condemnation to, to them that are in Jesus Christ. But the devil likes to remind you that you are still a sinner to keep you from having that amazing fellowship with God.
It's simple. Come back right now. Come home right now. Come home to God right where you're sitting. I confess this right now in my mind and in my heart, God, because I want to have joy. And I'll guarantee you something will supernaturally happen inside of you because he lives in you. Yes, he lives inside of us so we can have the happiness back. If you don't practice spiritual disciplines all day long, in and out, day in and day out, deliverance will be very short-lived. Promise you. You got to practice it all day long, mowing the lawn. Oh, God, I'm praying for Sister Hockenspock right now that she will close her mouth. God, I'm praying for Mike's wife right now that she will come home to her husband where she belongs. How do I know that? Because the scripture says that. The scripture says that. God says that you should stay together forever. God hates divorce. That's not my word, that's God's word. I'm going to still preach that no matter whether the entire congregation is divorced. We were talking yesterday in the car because Johnny, Zach, our youth pastor's son, came over and hung out. And I was asking Johnny about things. He could go into church because he's with Zach part of the time and with his mom the other part of the time. And we were reminded because Josiah's birthday is coming up that Johnny and Josiah have been friends since they met. They were born two days apart. And Johnny has never known a relationship with his mom and dad, Zach and Sarah, because he was too young to remember it. Other people can relate to that, can't you? You've never known that. You never had a mom and dad unit which were put together and produced you to mother and father you. And so we're living in a fatherless generation of confused people, constantly searching. Am I right on that? Constantly searching and thinking that if they could just be a transvestite or a transsexual, we could have trans bathrooms, trans shower rooms, and we could let them marry, they're still not happy. They're not happy because we're not happy when we're not holy. God designed every person with a hole inside that needed to be filled with God alone. How do I become that person that God wants me to be? I have to realize this, that 2 Corinthians 10, 5 actually says this, that you have to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have to literally be walking through the day and thinking, I'm getting a carnal thought right now, look away. Put up a blockade. I, I remember a lawyer friend of ours that went to our church years ago and he came to me and said, I'm struggling because there's a beautiful woman within my line of vision at work every day and I just find myself lusting after her. And I said, change offices. He moved to a different floor. That's obedience, taking captive every thought all the time. That is how we grow, yeah. by taking captive every thought, making it obedient to God and not giving into it. It's either the word or the world. One of those is going to preeminent, be preeminent in your life, the word or the world. There are people in here that work all the time and that's all they think about. And God gets just this little tiny itty-bitty part of your life. And you expect that your marriage is going to work and your kids are going to grow up to love you? We get in the car and Josiah immediately puts his playlist on my radio. Kids and technology. You know, he grabs my phone and I, God only knows what he has on there. I don't know. He knows everything about it, and he's just whipping stuff out and going, Dad, now talk. And we were on the way back from the bachelor party. On the way there, he had his playlist, and it came up to that song that Nick sings. What is it? Which one? 
He won't leave you there. It was just starting as we pulled into Ed's dad's place. And he said, oh, save that one for on the way home, dad. I thought to myself, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, that's what he's going to like. You just keep this in mind now. If you think it's hopeless for your older kids, then we might as well just shut the door and go home. Because my daughter's not here. We love her. We'll never turn against her. But she knows where she belongs. She knows that she should be with God. You don't ever give up. Your kids are always your kids. Right? They're, ne they're never too old to be your kids. They want you. They want you to love them and speak truth into them, don't they? They want to see it in you. I actually won't get to this, so I'll have to finish my message next week. But I love what, what Dallas Willard said in one of his books. He says, Atlanta is a poor plan for going to, do, to New York. London, you know, not going to London and Atlanta is a poor plan for getting to New York. We have this kind of um, salvation and godliness by subtraction. Holiness by subtraction. We figure that if we omit this thing and this thing and this thing from our life, then we'll be holy. But that doesn't work. That's legalism. What you have to do is you have to be godly by addition and replacement of ungodly things with godly things. You get it? You've got to replace the ungodly things with godly things. You've got to replace those things, and you find all of a sudden that joy is coming. Every time you're tempted to criticize, don't criticize. Every time you want to drink, don't drink. Every time you're tempted to look at porn, say, no, I'm not doing that. You will grow stronger in your faith and replace it then with time spent with God and time praising God and time saying positive things and time encouraging other people because my three points that I shared in my men's Bible study, the first three were actually this. Infants don't listen, and I'll just throw them out and I'll cover them next week. Infants just don't listen. This is a sign of infancy in your life. They don't listen because they always have a reason not to. Yes, 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 yes. They all have a reason why they don't have to listen today because Pastor Gary's a jerk. Because, because he, whatever. They like to disqualify those who might actually speak into your life. They don't listen. Say it with me. They don't listen. Say it again. They don't listen. Again. That's the first characteristic of a baby Christian. Number two, they rebel. Infants always rebel. If they don't get what they want, they just go crazy. Yeah! You ever hear that? I mean, we've heard this a million times in sermons. There's nothing new. But you ever hear the guys that talk about the people in the supermarket and they're with their kid and, and she's like, I told you if you do that one more time, you're going to get the spanking of your life. Yeah! I'm going to count to three. <laughs> one. Yeah! Two. Yeah! Three. Yeah! Three and a half. Yeah! making the baby cry. <laughs> I told you. She wanted a rest probably. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I actually made the baby cry. <laughs> to get irritated. 
You know how often we get irritated and we rebel? We rebel. If they don't take every statue down in America and replace them with, with what? Really? So you have all these stipulations on whether you should love God and whether you should love your family, whether you should stay with your wife, and whether you should keep on keeping on for God. You have all these stipulations, and God says it's not working because you're just rebellious. Infants rebel. Say it with me. Infants rebel. Number one was what? They, again, oh, that was like speaking in tongues. And all the really cool people in the room are going, when is he going to be done, God? I'm sick of this. Why did you make me go here today? Number one was what? They don't listen. Again. I don't know what Vince is saying back there, but <laughs> he's on planet Vincent. <laughs> Number two is what? Infants rebel. Yeah, you're going to know. Am I rebelling right now? I get in the car and I'm, I, you're on the phone. Oh, Sister Hackensbach. What did you think of this service today? She says, well, I don't know. I thought it was, what did you think about that jacket? <laughs> and you say, I don't know. He was wearing a jacket. And what do you think about pastors wearing hats? Hats. 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 It's almost as bad as Cats. <laughs> See, I threw that out there so all the cat lovers will, they'll go bonkers like, I'm sick of him talking about cats. <laughs> I'm a dog man. Dog. Skeet shooters are dog men. <laughs> oh, my. Life is fun, isn't it? Life is good, isn't it? Life is too good to be too negative. So don't rebel. There's one more thing, one more thing, and then I'll hit all the scriptures next week. They're always jealous, and they cause strife. So they're jealous of somebody else who's got their situations better than theirs, so they're jealous, and God, why did you do this to me? And you rebel, and it creates division in the church. I said this this past week. A true friend never wants to bring you information that they know could hurt you or could hurt your relationship with someone else. Please listen to me. This is what wrecks churches. When you leave and say, you weren't there today, but you should have heard what Pastor Gary said. That's not friendship. That's immaturity. You want to spare your friends from anything that would actually hurt them. That's friendship. You protect the ones you love, don't you? You don't cause division in the body. You don't create rebelliousness. Now, I have to stop because I thought I was going to stop at a quarter after, and that you know how that happens. Were you bored? No. Did I entertain you well? 
I make you laugh? Yeah. Cry? Yeah. Bunch of robots. I didn't make you cry. The Duffies are right. It's my trifecta. Where are the Duffies? Way back in the back, back row. You know what they say about back row people. <laughs> there you go. Good response. <laughs> I love the Duffies. Really, I, lo I love our whole church. I'm not a big Facebook person, but when I get on Facebook, I think, come on, let's not get on Facebook and argue about ridiculous crap. Let's get on Facebook to encourage each other if we're going to do it. I love the people in this church. My wife, I think that's the first time I've ever heard her say this. The other day she said, I have so many friends. That made me want to cry. How many people do you know that don't have any? If you got some friends today, and you do if you go here, you can rejoice. So last night I just, I'm, I'm very emotional shepherd. I always try to study a couple hours in the latter part of Saturday evening so it'll be fresh. And I'm, I'm sitting at the kitchen counter going through my texts and reading through stuff and, and then I typed into my computer because I wanted to have some kind of a video expression of what I'm trying to say today and it came up to <clears throat> a, a movie that I saw years ago called Mr. Holland's Opus. How many have seen that? If you have not seen it, you should watch it. And being the musician that I am and being in ministry all these years, I went to Bible college to be a preacher and ended up being a worship leader for 20-some years and still in, in the band. And Mr. Holland's Opus, the gist of the whole movie is this, that he has this passion to write this great symphony, this opus that a great orchestra would play. And along the way, things don't just go just exactly the way he thought they would go. They had a child, but of all things, he's deaf. He can't hear a note. Of all things, Mr. Holland wanted for his son to be able to be a musician and do musical stuff. And so it's a disappointment to Mr. Holland and he, he had this big idea of directing this big, huge symphony orchestra, and it never happens. He's stuck teaching in a poor high school and leading kids to play an instrument that can barely play. And some redheaded girl who decided she wanted to play the clarinet, and it just squeaked every time. But he stuck with her and encouraged her. And along the path, there's a high school girl who really has a crush on Mr. Mr. Holland, and, and she finishes high school, and she's going to go to New York, and she tries to talk him into leaving his wife and going with her. And she said, I'll meet you at the bus station at such and such a time. And that's a really emotional scene right there. He goes down to the bus station in his tux, and he pulls off his tie, and he walks over to the bench, and she's sitting there, and she looks at him. You pack light. He didn't say a word. He sat down next to her and said, I have a friend in New York you can go live with. All along the path in life, the enemy is going to try to take you out. If he has his way, he'll kill you. Yes, he will. But he didn't give in. He went home. His wife was in bed sleeping, and he he 
he leaned over on the bed and he said, I love you, honey. And she said, I know. God spared him from a horrible mistake. At the end of his life, the last scene is amazing. I'm not going to show it because it takes 10 minutes. I had it ready to bring up. He's at the school and they've decided there's no money to continue the music program, which is heartbreaking to him. So he has to pack up all of his stuff. He's old. He's put his whole life into this. He doesn't know what the future holds. His wife is there with him. His son is now an adult, Cole, his name is. And they're walking out of the room with the box in their hand, all of his stuff from all the years of teaching there. And he hears something in the auditorium. And he says, who's in the auditorium? What is going on in there? And he walks over to the auditorium door and he pulls it open and looks in and it says, we love you, Mr. Holland. And everybody, hundreds of people in the room, all students from years gone by and all kinds of people in there are screaming and clapping and applauding him. He doesn't know what to do. And his wife says, come on, we're going down. And he's walking down the aisle and all these people are grabbing a hold of him and saying, we love you, Mr. Holland, we love you. And, and his wife gets up there and says, our, our speaker for today is not here yet, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stall a little bit. And then all of a sudden the doors open and the Secret Service walk in and the governor, the red-headed girl who had no future and hope, now the governor of the state, walks all the way down and puts her arms around him. It's, I just started sobbing. Because I can tell you, honestly, I have wanted to quit and run so bad. On a daily basis, I actually, it comes out of my mouth sometimes. I just want to go away, God, and be away, a long ways away, because I don't want to be hurt anymore. But in my mind, <coughs> the mature part of me says, the devil will always try to hurt you. You'll never feel like you fit. You'll never feel like you've accomplished anything. And the governor said, as she got up there, Mr. Holland, you, you always wanted to have someone to influence, to make your mark, and you think you haven't, but not, there's not a person in this town that has not been affected by you. We have one last thing that we would like to do. They'd gathered a massive bunch of his students, old from years gone by, and, and his recent students, and they were in a huge orchestra, and she handed him a baton and said, here, you direct your symphony, which is now complete. I was crying so hard at the counter I could barely think it because I want to say this to all of us in here from my heart. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you feel about yourself. If you're a child of God, there is no condemnation. It's okay. You can make it. We become a strong cord when we bind together. We need each other, don't we? We need each other. We need one another. We need God. We need to let him be the ruler. Close your eyes. Guarantee you, he won't leave you where you are at. He's in reckless pursuit of you right now. He knows what you're going through, and he's in reckless pursuit. And he's whispering right now, I got your back. I love you. I love you. I love you. Trust me me. Just stick with my word and stick with me and I will guarantee you things will change. 
And you know that is your need this morning. Perhaps it's your need in salvation because you don't even know if you'd go to heaven when you die. And you would say to yourself this morning, Pastor, I can honestly say that if I died right now, I am not positive that I'd go to heaven. I'd like you to raise your hand. Anyone in this room? Not absolutely positive. Not 100% sure. It can't be 98 or 95 or 80. It's got to be 100. Anyone in here that says, I want to know, but I don't know. Anyone? Raise your hand. Anyone in the room want to offer that opportunity this morning? Anyone? My message wasn't to lost people. It was to Christians. How many of you have a serious, serious need or prayer request that you desperately need God to intervene? And he's saying to you, I want you to draw to me. I want you to draw to me. I'm going to come near to you. If you are desperate about something with God, as my wife and I are, I want you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I want you to stand up. This means so much to me, I will stand because I'm going to beg you, God, to change this. I recognize I need this. I need this. I need this desperately. God, please work in my situation. I'm begging you. In the name of Jesus, which is above every name, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord one day. We submit a mass of prayer requests to your throne this morning, right now, in this room. We submit these things to you, God. We don't want to be babies. We want to be mature Christians to hand us over to you and have you assist us in showing us miracles. When we do the natural, which is drawing near to you, you will draw near to us. We trust you, don't we, people? I trust you, God, that you are going to supernaturally work. Now, if you're standing and God begins to work supernaturally, next week even, you're going to stand and give praise for what he did. Right? Yes. In the name of our amazing Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. I pray blessing on everybody in this room all week long through the week. As you go about your, your tasks, don't forget today we have Awana, we have youth group, we have college ministry, men, Monday night Bible study tomorrow night, ladies on Wednesday, and a lot of other things to just check the website or, or um, yeah, online about. Be blessed today. I love you all. Be blessed. Oh, hey.